Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Hiva, and we are doing a Q&A episode. Actually, little announcement, we are going to do a Q&A episode on the last Tuesday of every month, I think. Well, here's why I say I think. By the way, the door is slightly cracked and Ozzy is sitting in the living room and I can't get out of my head that he can hear every word that I'm saying. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Like, can you hear me? You promise? Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're welcome for that interlude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, here's what I'm thinking. Once a month, we're going to do a Q&A episode. I just, I really wanted to have a bit more structure and regularity around the Q&A episodes. It just feels like I do them randomly and there's no rhyme or reason. And I just, I want it to be with order and rhyme and reason. (laughs) And yeah, so I was thinking once a month. And since this one will come out on the last Tuesday of the month, I figured what a nice bookend, right? Like, you know exactly what to expect. The last Tuesday of every month will be a Q&A episode. Now, here's where I think we could run into issues. Also, I can't believe. Welcome to the inside of my brain. It's chaos. (laughs) So the problem potentially is... Some months are shorter, so what if the last Tuesday of the month ends up being only three weeks after the last Q&A episode? Would we, in that scenario, just do the Q&A episode on the last Tuesday of the month, even though it's only been three weeks since the last Q&A episode? Or should I do truly every fourth episode is a Q&A episode, in which case there could be a month just because of how the dates fall, where the Q&A, ep- where <laughs> there ends up being a calendar month without a Q&A episode. Does this make sense? Or do I sound like a crazy person? And then would there be some months, if I do it truly every four weeks, then there would be some months where there could be two Q&A episodes because there would be five Tuesdays in that month, which can happen, I believe. You know, all of these problems and a lot of other problems would go away if we just had 28-day months. Why don't we have 28-day months? Does anyone know? Like, 
isn't a month supposed to be based on the moon rotating around us, which takes exactly 28 days, right? So why 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 do we have the 30 slash 31 slash 28 slash 29 day month system that we have it makes literally does anyone know like whose decision was this because it's absolute chaos it's probably the same person who invented the imperial system fucking asshole you know this person is the antagonist to the person who whoever works for Apple who invented that thing where when you go on a website and they send you a code and it texts you the code and then it'll autofill the code for you, whoever invented that, Nobel Peace Prize. Nobel fucking Peace Prize. Along with the person who works for Google who invented the unsubscribe button at the top when you open a promo email, Nobel fucking prize, the person who invented the 30 slash 31 slash 28 slash 29 day month, jail, straight to jail. Okay, now that we've gotten that over with. And also, like, if you're not an earth sign, you might actually literally not know what I'm talking about. Like, there might, if you're not like a super structured person, you might be like, I literally... I don't know, do it once a month, do it once every three weeks, do it once every four weeks, do it however the fuck you want. I literally don't give a shit. Just stop talking about this to me. And to that person, I'm deeply and truly sorry. But yeah, we're going to do monthly Q&A episodes. I don't know. I'm inclined to go with the last Tuesday of every month. I'm pulling out my calendar because I I can't. Okay. So the last Tuesday of June is the 27th, right, when this is airing. So then one, two, three, four, the last Tuesday of July, it's going to work perfectly, is the 25th. It's four weeks later. Let's see if we're going to run into chaos anytime soon. One, two, three, four. Here we go. So four weeks after that is August 22nd. That is not the last Tuesday in August. The last Tuesday in August is the 29th. But for example, if I had done a Q&A episode that would air on August 1st, then four weeks later would be still in August. And let's say if I do a Q&A episode on August 29th, then one, two, three, four. No, we don't run into issues there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. What do you think? If you have opinions on this, can you let me know? Would you rather it be the last Tuesday of every month or would you rather it be every four weeks exactly? Stella, I'm looking directly at you. I want you to answer this question for me because you're probably the only person listening who even has an opinion or a thought on this subject. And I think everyone else is truly just praying that this stops. Okay, we're going to move right along. Um, Just a little bit of housekeeping. I have a Showfields event this Thursday, the 29th at Showfields from 5 to 7 I believe I'm talking about nutrition, but who knows? <laughs> It'll be a surprise to me and to you. So like, come and find out. Um, but no, it should be a good time. And <coughs> excuse me, the Showfields events are really fun. And 
they give out really sick gift bags, which actually is going to connect with one of the questions that I have for this month. Oh, and also don't forget, you can submit questions and we're going to be doing this on the regular. I'm not going to bore you with that whole four weeks slash month slash whatever nonsense again, but we're going to be doing the Q&A episodes all the time. So submit questions. I love your questions. And you know, part of wanting to do this regularly is I really love connecting with you guys. I really love having this community feel. And sometimes I get really emotional because, you know, Blush is still in its growing stages. I mean, we've come a long fucking way since the initial days, but we're still in our growing stages. Like we're nowhere near where we're going to reach. And you guys are my OG babies. I mean, some of you have been around since day one. Others of you have dropped in in the past year. Nevertheless, you're still my my OG babies. Like you are the people that have been here since the beginning, been here through the growing pains. And I want a way to connect with you guys more consistently because I don't think you guys understand how much you mean to me. Like it's such an extreme thing for me. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not trial Q&A. No, but it's just a way for us to connect as a community. And also, even if you don't have questions, I'm often shocked at how much overlap there is in questions. So just because you didn't submit a question doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have a question that's similar to something that is going on with you in your life. So yeah, that's why we're going to do that more consistently. Okay, um, moving right into it. And also anything that we do don't get to this week. We'll just be in next month's Q&A episode. And that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm not going to keep going on and on about four weeks in a month. Okay. Question number one. I have a stupid question. When people talk about inner child work, I have no idea what that means. What is inner child work? First of all, no stupid questions. I know people say that a lot. There are some stupid questions. This is not a stupid question at all. And this is, in fact, I would say a failing on my part because I really try to explain every term I use, every term of art that I use, because I fucking hate wellness accounts, wellness podcasts, wellness any sort of wellness content creator that just learns these buzzwords and starts using them, but never really explains what they mean. And the truth is a lot of these words mean different things to different people. So I really do try to be mindful of that. And clearly I have not been as mindful of this as I could have been. So inner child work is an approach to recognizing and healing childhood trauma. Now, every time I say the words childhood trauma, I feel the need to really double down on this. Childhood trauma doesn't have to be major trauma. I know I say it pretty much every week. I know I sound like a broken record, but it is important to note. It's not all car accidents and war and abuse, you know, although I really hope no one's like sending their kids to war in childhood. Well, no, but you can be like, you can be a civilian in war during childhood. In fact, my brother was a civilian in Iran during the Gulf War. The Gulf War. I think the Gulf War. Oh my God. The way my knowledge of historical and even current political events is lacking. That's so concerning. I think the Gulf War. I think that math maths. Anyway, um, so like, yeah, you could, I guess, be a civilian in a country that is 
literally being attacked. So that would be extremely traumatic. But those are, you know, very major types of trauma. There are so many other things that are traumatic for children that are like as an adult, if you were to look at them, you'd be like, why in the world would that be traumatic? But anything that causes a child pain or shame can be traumatic. And children also lack critical thinking skills. So pretty much everything that happens in the vicinity of a child, they internalize because they don't know any better. So if a kid is around their parents fighting, boom, trauma. But it can be so much more minor than that. I mean, uh, a teacher makes a funny face when you participate in class, boom, trauma. Now this kid is afraid of public speaking because they think everything they say is wrong because the teacher happened to make a funny face, which frankly could have not even been directed at them, but that's how the child internalized it. So anything can be traumatic. Now, inner child work is premised on the fact that our behaviors as an adult stem from our childhood experiences. And inner child work really focuses on addressing our unmet needs by kind of reparenting ourselves. So your inner child, like actually do this exercise right now. If you're when, if you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> as you're listening, so long as you're not driving or doing anything dangerous, close your eyes right now and just visualize your quote unquote inner child and see what pops into your head. It's going to be you at some point in your childhood. Now, whatever popped in your head, whatever age came up in your head, whatever stage of childhood you were in is probably the phase in your life that needs the most attention and healing right this second. Now, this may change tomorrow. It may change next month. It may change next year, whatever. Um, and there are a lot of different types of inner child work. Some therapy modalities that are very inner child focused are parts work, internal family systems, EMDR, sensory motor psychotherapy, somatic work. Um, there are a lot of modali modalities, even art therapy and things like that, I think have strong inner child components. Um, but really overall, it's a way of giving ourselves what we needed as a child but did not get. The modality of inner child work that I've done, well, I've done a lot of different modalities, but my favorite one that I've done and what I talk about a lot is the To Be Magnetic Inner Child Workshop. So To Be Magnetic, I talked about a lot last week. It's actually a manifestation modality. I don't know school. <laughs> I don't really know what to call it, program. And they have an inner child workshop where it takes you through every stage of psycho. I completely forgot the word. Psycho something development literally cannot remember the word. I'm so sorry. And it takes you through every kind of stage of childhood. And there are, um, what she calls deep imaginings. They're kind of like guided meditations or really hypnosis type tapes. And um, it really just helps you visualize the type of childhood that you needed. And again, I know I sound like a broken record. I talk about this shit every week. But when you visualize in a deep hypnotic state, you're basically like that. You're simulating an experience and your brain, the exact same parts of your brain fire up as though it had actually happened. So um, if you were to visualize 
a bolt of lightning, the part of your brain that would actually experience a bolt of lightning will fire up. It's so fascinating. So when you kind of do that mental rehearsal, that mental visualization, the mental simulation of that ideal childhood that you needed, your brain will experience it as though it actually happened and thereby you create new neural pathways of a better childhood. That's just the inner child workshop that I personally like. There are elements of it in the Blush Academy attachment workshop. But yeah, that, that's really what inner child work is. Is. It's it's a way of giving ourselves what we needed as a child but did not get. So excellent question. And yeah, there is a lot of elements of it within the Blush Academy and all of the workshops, quite frankly, because at the end of the day, everything that we're going through in as, a, as an adult is a reflection of shit that we went through as a child. So it's kind of the premise of everything, in my humble opinion. I need to come up with a better way. I know when you're just listening on the podcast, it feels like I'm taking little breaks. What I'm doing is scrolling down my outline and I, I need to come up with a better way of doing it. Maybe I can keep the mouse in my lap. I wonder if that'll work. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if this works because that could be revolutionary. Okay. Um, question number two. I was wondering if you've ever used those wellness patches and your thoughts about them. Um, I have used the wellness patches. I used the brand called The Good Patch and I used the um, whatever, the Awake one. It's purple and it has B12 and caffeine. I think maybe something else, but I am pretty sure B12 and caffeine are in it. Uh, I actually got it in a goodie bag from a Showfields event that I was doing. So quick plug to come to Showfields if you're in the New York area, because they do give out really fire goodie bags. Actually, they gave out vibrators for one of them. And my friend said that it's her favorite vibrator. I'm yet to use mine. I really should. I still have it packaged up. I could give it as a gift. I have a whole, because I get like PR stuff sometimes not to brag, not that often though. (laughs) But then I also give gifts, I get gifts that I don't like. I don't know why I'm so like mumbly over my words today. Um, But yeah, I also get gifts that I don't like a lot because I just kind of hate owning shit. So I have a whole bag of things that I can give as gifts. It's really ideal, and I just reach into it when I need to go somewhere. Anyway, so yeah, I got them in a Showfields goodie bag once, and my friend said that she didn't really feel much, but I never touched it until when I got back from Australia. I had such bad jet lag, and I was up like most of the night, the first few nights. But then in the mornings, I would just get going and fire through the day so that I could hopefully sleep at night. And so I I think at least the first day, but maybe the first and second day, I put a patch on my skin in the morning and I really did feel very energized and ready to go. Um, so yeah, it really did work for me, but I also don't consume caffeine and 
I am pretty sensitive to it. So that could have been my experience. Now, I did a bit of research, and there have been a few studies on this. In 2019, there was a study where um, they had a group of people on vitamin patches, and they had a group of people just taking the same vitamins orally. And I don't know if there was a control group or if the oral group was the control group, who knows. But um, that 2019 study found that the group on the patch had a lower levels of vitamin than the people taking the supplements orally and the vitamins that they tested was vitamin D, vitamin B12, and vitamin B1. Um, Another study which was conducted over eight weeks found that vitamin D levels did go up from a patch Um, and then there was a review. A review is uh, a a review of a lot of studies, and that found that some micronutrients can't be absorbed well through the skin, and those are basically the fat-soluble vitamins like vitamins A, D, and E. There is a good amount of evidence showing um, transdermal absorption of caffeine, so I guess it makes sense that that one would have worked so well for me. But yeah, I really I did have a good experience for it. So I don't really know. Again, I've only used that one and. I did feel a noticeable difference. My instinct based on my experience plus the research that I've done is that it probably works decently well for micronutrients that are not fat soluble and it doesn't work as well for micronutrients that are fat soluble. I also think there's factors at play like how clean your skin is, how clogged your pores are, um, how hairy you are. I mean, my arms are pretty fucking hairy right now. So I'd imagine if I put a pad on my arm right now, I'd have a harder time absorbing it than if I put it, you know, on the other side of my arm, the forearm, forearm, right? That's what we call a forearm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents. They do look really fun and kind of like they have great branding and just seems like a fun way to take your vitamins. But my instinct is that if you're deficient in something and really need to get your levels up, I don't know that that's the way that I'd be doing it. Okay, question number three. Hi, I've been listening since the very beginning and such a huge fan of you, the podcast, and how much the show has evolved. I have a personal question for you. Back when you were dating Van Guy, by the way, I just want to say the person who submitted this question capitalized Van and capitalized Guy, and I love that for you. You seemed so into him. And when you broke up with him, you still spoke so highly of him. Lately, it feels like you have a different attitude towards him. Did anything happen? Yes and no. Okay, I'm going to tell you the whole story, like a story that I haven't really Hold. Oh, God, there's a lot of layers to this that I've never talked about, um, and I'm not even going to get into all of the layers. Okay, so first I'm going to talk about, like, something did happen, but it's actually a pretty minor thing. The bigger thing that has changed is I think I've reflected more and more and more and realized how much Van Guy really was... A, it was... It was... 
it was because I was still so into Ozzy and wasn't hearing from him and I wanted a distraction. So he was kind of a rebound in that way. And I don't really understand how I let it get so serious when I don't think that's ever what I wanted. I just wanted someone to distract me off of Ozzy, which was also kind of toxic. And it was under the advice of someone I was very close with at the time who was like, oh my God, you just need to go like fuck someone else, date someone else, start talking to other guys, blah, blah. And I wish I had dealt with it the way that I would deal with it now, which would have been like really going internal and doing the work and things like that. But that's neither here nor there. So yeah, there's a bit of that. Um, there were a lot of things that I put up with Van Guy. Again, I think because I didn't initially see it as a serious thing. I just wanted a distraction. So I was willing to overlook a lot of things that then became bigger and bigger to me over time. And I don't know, he just, it really like the way that I have the ick towards him even still after all this time is a lot. I really have to think about this question. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of fucking layers to it. And I have a lot of kind of bitterness towards him, but it's really towards myself for even dating him because I knew I didn't want to date him. I knew I was into Ozzy and that's what I wanted. And I really just wanted this distraction. And so I'm kind of mad at myself for doing that. I'm mad at myself, honestly, for being influenced by that friend into doing it and I don't know. I have the ick because I don't think I ever wanted to be intimate with him, not just sexually, but in every way that we were. And I ended up being. And so, yeah, I have that kind of really more mad at myself than anyone else. Um, now, something did happen. So Ozzy and Van Guy actually know each other, and I'm not going to elaborate on that. Well, basically, they have one mutual friend who lives in Australia, and it's a very long, complicated story. And I knew this when I was dating Van Guy, and Van Guy knew this when him and I were dating. And when we broke up, I really tried to stay friends with him because I felt really, really bad. But I felt like he kind of took advantage of that kindness and me trying to be friends with him, which also I think I should have from the get go had stronger boundaries and just been like, no, we should have some separation. But yeah, it was just very like he would get mad at me for not spending enough time with him. And that's another thing. I think I'm mad at myself because I really was so focused on him during the time that we were dating and wasn't doing as much of the things that really light me up. And he's someone who's like not very ambitious, which is fine for him, but I am very ambitious. And so that was a whole thing. Um, but yeah, like the, he just got so mad at me after we broke up over things. And I was like, I, you have no right. Like you're not my boyfriend anymore. So there's that element of it. And then, um, after we broke up, I started hanging out with Ozzy again at first platonically, but then we started hooking up and Ozzy posted something in his Instagram stories where he was at my place, but you couldn't see me in it. But if you know my apartment, it's recognizable. And so Van Guy was on Instagram and saw Ozzy's Instagram stories and recognized my apartment and figured out we were hanging out again and absolutely lost his shit. I mean, lost his 
shit. And I was like, who the fuck are you to get mad at me for hanging out with a guy who, by the way, I was hanging out with before you and I ever fucking met. If anyone should be mad at anyone right now, it's not like you have no leg to stand on. You knew that we dated before you and I ever dated. And like, yeah, it just like it really left a bad taste in my mouth. And I think it just got me to see how much this wasn't a person that I ever wanted to be dating. And I did it out of a place that wasn't really like a high self-worth place. Like I did it out of desperation and need and anxious attachment and stuff. And I think maybe I judge myself a lot. Yeah. And like, yeah, there, there's a lot of layers. There are things that I have some bitterness towards him about, and maybe I'll open up about that more. I've been, I wish I had thought out my answer to this question more instead of just kind of stream of consciousness. But I I thought it would be kind of more fun in a way if I came into these questions a little bit more blind um, and just really like have a very like authentic and impromptu answer. So yeah, I'll I'll give it more thought and open up more because I think there's lessons that we can all learn from my Van Guy stuff. Um, so yeah. Moving right along to question number three. Oh, oh, by the way, also, that was question number three. I said it wrong, but I just want to say thank you so much and thank you for listening. And I love you. And thank you so much. You're one of the OG, OG, OG babies. Okay. Question number four. How do you get over a crush when you can't avoid them? The sky is in my friend group and we overlap constantly. Okay, so first of all, um, I understand that situation and I think it's so cool to have like a very united, unified clique of friends who are hanging out all the time and that's such a hard thing to have in adulthood. So I completely understand not wanting to do anything to potentially rock that boat completely understand that. Um, So, you know, whereas someone might be like, well, just don't hang out with them as much for a while or just don't go to places where he is. I would not advise that because I think maintaining that friend group is so much more important, quite frankly. So there is that. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't really hang out with him one on one and stuff um, and just keep it to group settings and, you know, kind of close down your communication with him. But honestly, all of the things that I'm saying are very surface level answers. Because at the end of the day, what needs to happen is you need to actually accept that this isn't going to happen. And I think the crush is going to continue so long as there's part of you that is holding on to that hope. And unfortunately, this isn't really something that is going to go away on a surface level, right? I mean, a former friend of mine who gave me that bad advice around Van Guy would tell you, like, just start dating other people. And like, yeah, I, I mean, in this scenario, it actually might not be the worst advice because nothing has ever happened between you and this guy. And it's just a crush. It's not this serious thing. So like maybe just seeing someone else will really distract you from this guy. But I mean, I think you actually should start dating other people, but the bigger thing is you need to actually accept that this isn't going to happen. And that's not a surface level thing. That is going to take 
doing the deeper subconscious work. And what I really recommend is in the Blush Academy, this person is in the Blush Academy, by the way. Um, that's why I'm giving specific Blush Academy advice. In the Blush Academy, go to the breakup course. I know this isn't a breakup, but it's fine. Now, the breakup course is structured by the stages of grief. Grief. The first stage of grief is denial. Do the denial section of the breakup course. Do all of the assignments in it. Do all of the guided meditations in it. And then maybe hop over to the attachment style course and start going through that because it's also very common with anxious attachment to have a hard time accepting that something isn't going to happen, to kind of be in denial, to be holding on to something. It could be scarcity mindset, you know, your fear that you're never going to meet anyone better or that you like more or anything like that. Or it could be that this person is representing something to you like maybe this person reminds you of I don't know a father figure you've had in your life or a former lover or something that is kind of creating a bit more of an attachment or maybe just the whole situation is creating a bit of an attachment I mean what a Disney fairy tale type thing so yeah I would start with those things and then I would actually in this scenario start dating other people because I do think that would help but I think just dating other people without doing the internal work is just going to be a band-aid solution and you're going to end up with a van guy, which honestly might not be the worst thing, but whatever. Who am I to say? So yeah, I hope that's helpful. Would love an update on this situation. By the way, um, for anyone watching, you might know that I do have the mouse in my lap and it does seem to be working this way. So I think we're going to do it like this moving forward. And that way there isn't a lag every time I need to scroll down in my outline. Okay, question number five. Hey, I'm a 24-year-old woman who's never dated anyone before, not even a handful of first dates. I blame all girls schooling, lol. It's, that's honestly not weird at all. Good for you. That's amazing. Uh, I'm a theater and art teacher at an elementary school, and the technology teacher is a 26-year-old guy and really cute. Oh my god, I'm getting so excited. We don't cross paths much at all at work, but when we do talk, we end up talking for 45 plus minutes. God, aren't you guys teaching class about lots of different topics? Conversation flows really easily. He will ask me about a announcements or info he might have missed and I and I ask him to reach stuff on the top of the closet or to fix my wi-fi and we just always get to talking this is so fucking cute I'm like dying you have no idea any advice on talking to him more he might be seeing someone and that is something I would obviously respect I don't want to come on too strong because this is my place of employment and his and his mom also works there as the school nurse. Thank you for any advice and or encouragement. Okay, um, I'm so obsessed with this question. Like the way that I'm excited throughout my bones, like every part of me is fucking excited about this. Like you have no idea. This just takes me back to being in my early 20s and being in a workplace and like flirting and all those fun things and just, oh my God, like this sounds so fun. Also, it does sound like he's into you just based on the fact that it sounds like he makes excuses to come and talk to you. Um, now, when you said he might be seeing someone, 
do you have reason to think he might be seeing someone or do you mean like you have no idea if he's seeing someone or not and so he could be seeing someone because yeah he could be seeing someone again it does sound like he's into you but it's also not uncommon for people to just kind of have workplace flirty situations that aren't anything beyond that so it's entirely possible that that is the situation and you're just someone he likes flirting at work with but he has a girlfriend and would never cross that line hopefully right hopefully he's not like a scumbag anyway so I love every part of this and you have to promise me that we're gonna get an update because this is so good okay Here's the thing. This has to be a long game. Like you can't like because it is your workplace and because his mom works there and stuff, you really can't do anything aggressive or like rock the boat in any way. So I would kind of proceed how you're going. But this is what I would do to kind of like take it up a notch. Does this elementary school (laughs) ever... Like, do the teachers at school ever do anything outside of school? Like, do you guys ever do happy hours after school or anything like that? Because this is what I would do. And if you've never done it, do you have any other friends who teach at the school, like like work friends? Because start planning like a work happy hour after school one day on Friday for everyone, like, like a click of you guys to like go get drinks after work on Friday. And maybe it can become a bit more of a regular thing. So like maybe every Friday you guys like go for a drink after work. Also, don't elementary schools get out really early? <laughs> like one or two but still whatever like it's great like you'll make all the happy hour specials so organize a work happy hour type vibe or okay if happy hour isn't gonna work for any number of reasons like it's way too early and it's elementary school and stuff maybe you could organize like a workplace softball league or something like that that gives you guys an excuse to hang out outside of work but in a group setting with other people from work so that it's you know you're not asking him to hang out one-on-one you're setting up something that other people are going to go to and try to make it somewhat of a regular thing sorry if you guys can hear that um try to make it somewhat of a regular thing so that way you guys are seeing each other outside of work but because the whole group is there it's not ever going to be like oh my god she asked me out on a date but I have a girlfriend or you know what I mean it's not going to ruffle any feathers now hopefully his fucking mom doesn't come (laughs) I mean make it something that requires you do the sports thing (laughs) so that she does go go skydiving do something that you wouldn't want to come to no but in all seriousness I mean there's an age gap she probably won't come it's probably gonna end up being the younger people at your workplace that are doing this and then while you guys are there try to hang out with him more and try to talk to him more and try to feel out if he has a girlfriend also um you know, once you start hanging out more, follow each other on Instagram or something. That way you can suss out if he has a girlfriend, because if he did, she'd probably be on his Instagram. But yeah, I would start doing it like that. And then once like you've done a few happy hours or like set up the sports team, I mean, if you set up some kind of inch in what's the word I'm looking for, guys? In 
the fuck is wrong with me today? You know what? I just got my period last night and I think I, my brain is just, compl- I've also, oh my God, I've had the worst two work days leading up to today. So yeah, my brain is just completely shot. What is like inch, inch, intramural, intramural, intramural? What the fuck does that mean? What am I saying? Like, have I just fully lost my mind? I don't even know anymore. Okay. You know what I mean though? A recreational sports activity type thing. If you set up some kind of league that you guys, the elementary school teachers can play as a team, it's, it's going to be a weekly thing. And then you'll go to drinks afterwards. That might be the move. Set up some kind of activity. Now try to suss out what kind of activities he likes. Set up the activity. It's going to be a weekly thing. So you're doing something every week together. And you'll go out to drinks afterwards. And like, you know, alcohol gets things flowing. And that way you can get to know him better and better and better and figure it out. And then like maybe one night, a few drinks in, like whatever he like walks you to your uber or like maybe you go grab a bite to eat after or whatever and then you kiss and then like blah blah blah, and then it's just gonna happen oh I'm so excited for this you have no idea the way that I'm like casually kind of wet and not just because I'm on my period I love this and you have to give an update but set up something set up either like a regular work happy hour type thing or I really think the sports team or whatever is the way to go because it's going to give so much structure to this the best. I, this is my fantasies. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with everything about this and I'm so excited for you. Okay, moving on to the next question. Question number six. What do you do when an ex-partner or an ex-lover has an intimate video of you together? Um, Okay, so I have like literally no advice on this because I think that the best thing that you can do is honestly nothing. Here's why. If you ask them to delete it, you have no idea if they're deleting it or not. And all that you're really doing at that point is reminding them that it exists. Whereas hopefully, hopefully this person has just forgotten that it exists. Do I think that they deleted it on their own? No. I, if I had that, I don't know that I would have deleted it. I mean, I've had some videos with exes maybe here and there. I probably have deleted them, but that's just kind of because all of my exes give me the ick after the fact because I lowered my standards so much to date these people. (laughs) So I don't really need reminders of the fact that we fucked. Um, Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would bring it up because I you have no assurances that they're actually getting rid of it. So I think you just need to kind of make your peace with the fact that this is out there. Now, I have advice for going forward. Never, ever, ever have something on someone else's phone that you would not be comfortable with the entire world seeing. So if you're sending a nude, don't put your face in it. And like if even your body without the face is something that like would kill you if it got out there, let's say you have like a very recognizable tattoo or something, then don't send anything. Anytime you send something, make sure it's something that you would be comfortable with the entire world seeing. When I send nudes, my face is never in them. Now, if someone were to release that and be like, those are Hebus tits, I'd be like, cool, those are my tits. Like... What are we going to do? We all fucking have them, you know? Um, If you're making a video with someone, 
make it on your phone or your camera and they can watch it in your presence. Never let them have ownership of it. Now, this is done. So this is just advice for going forward. What I would encourage you to do, honestly, is kind of change your mindset. It's 2023. I mean, look at the Kardashians. They've built an entire insanely successful career off of a sex tape. I don't think it's these things hold the shame and stigma that they used to. I mean, nudes leak right and left every fucking day. So what I would actually encourage you to do is just kind of make peace with the fact that this person has this thing. It's not the greatest thing. I'm sure it doesn't feel good knowing that he could watch it whenever he wants. And on top of that, could potentially release it. Now, most states do have some kind of revenge porn laws. So if for some reason this like piece of shit were to release it, by the way, I didn't mean to call him a piece of shit, but if you were to release it, that would be a piece of shit move, then I do think you have legal repercussions. But where I would focus my energy right now is on A, really owning and embodying your relationship with your sexuality. So honestly, maybe a round of inner child work where you grew up in a very sex positive household, because my guess is that you have a lot of like shame and hangups and stigma around sex and sexuality. But, um, and then also just going forward, making sure you have very strong boundaries with this type of thing. Okay, question number seven, speaking of boundaries, do you have to verbalize your boundaries or can you just make them and enforce them regarding family? Okay. In answering this question, I might sound a tiny bit woo-woo and I want to apologize for that ahead of time. But there are just certain things about this that really have a strong energetic component for me. I think that for the most part, for most people, verbalizing your boundaries is the least important thing on the face of the planet. I think that once you're in a place where you subconsciously have the right mental attitude towards something, those boundaries will be in place. Like it's energetic boundaries and you don't even need to say anything. It's just going to be and people will respect them. And I know that that sounds woo-woo, but like that's actually not even the part that I think is going to sound really woo-woo. This I think is like truly scientific. Like I think the way that you carry yourself, your energy really dictates how people come at you. So instead of focusing on or like worrying about like whether you need to verbalize something or not, I would really put my energy towards doing the subconscious work so that you carry yourself with that thing. Another thing I want to say is boundaries, in my opinion, are so much less about other people and so much more about what you are going to do. So let's say your boundary, I'm trying to think of a good example with family. Let's say you don't want your family to comment on your body and your weight and your food choices and things like that. Now, I that is an example of something I would verbalize once because how else would they know? <laughs> but um but it's less about like you can't say this to me and it's more about like 
if you say this to me, then I'm not going to spend time with you or I'm I'm going to leave. I'm going to disengage. I'm going to ignore the comment. Like I when you're trying to set boundaries, I would get very, very clear, not so much on what the boundaries are, but how you're going to react if someone violates that boundary, because that's ultimately really what the boundary is. So one thing I have with my parents is if they act crazy, if they start fighting, if they start yelling, if they start, you know, doing their shit. I disengage. If I'm in a situation where I can remove myself, like if we're on the phone, I hang up with the phone. If I'm there and I'm staying at their house, I don't react. I don't engage. And I generally will leave the room so long as I feel safe to do so. Now, if it's really, really, really chaotic, there are situations where I just freeze because I don't feel safe getting up and leaving and I just try to hide. But that's a separate situation and not to like make this so fucking dark. Now, I this is where it gets woo woo. I think sometimes your journey dictates how you need to handle things. So if you're someone who has a history of never voicing your needs, never voicing, you know, what you want, never voicing how you feel, things like that, then I think the universe could be giving you opportunities to voice your needs, to speak your needs. And in that scenario, what you as an individual need is to speak up because that's what the universe is trying to teach you to do. And I know that that sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it really is such a big part of what I believe. So in that scenario, you really would need to voice a boundary. And again, like I said, that food thing, I think you would have to voice it because I don't know. I mean, as a general concept, like if you don't tell someone something, you can't really expect them to meet it. But I do think in the vast majority of scenarios with boundaries, it's actually the verbal communication is the least important part. And well, in every situation, the verbal communication is the least important part. The most important part is always doing the subconscious work to get yourself there. And Here's the thing. If you don't do the subconscious work and you only verbalize your boundaries, I can more or less guarantee you that they will not be respected because communicating something without actually having the true subconscious belief behind it is not powerful and it's not it's not effective. What you really truly need is that like true subconscious integration of like, this is who I am. This is what I need. And I will not settle for anything less than that. And if anyone treats me in any way that's less than that, then I'm not going to give that my energy. So what, like without that subconscious true belief there. And this isn't something you can fake. This isn't something you can sit in the mirror and do affirmations. You truly have to rewire your brain into actually believing this because without that, the verbal communication is meaningless. So that's kind of where I'd focus my energy. And once you're subconsciously there, the rest of it will unfold naturally. If it's something you have to verbalize, you'll verbalize it effortlessly. And if it's something that doesn't even need to be verbalized, then it won't even need to happen. But also the fact that you're asking the question leads me to wonder if you are someone who tries to avoid communication as much as possible. I don't know. Again, I have no idea. But just the fact that you asked that question, I do wonder if that is the case. And if you are someone who's generally avoiding communication, then it might be that you really need to verbalize this thing. But 
Even if you do, that still means do the subconscious work first. Okay, one more question, and then the, and then we're going to wrap up for today, and um, you can submit more questions and everything else we will tackle in the next Q&A episode, which I think will be the last Tuesday of July, but I'm not sure. Stella, we need your feedback on this, please. Okay, question. How do you handle it when you Googled someone before a first date and they bring up something that you already know from your sleuthing? Do you cop to the sleuthing or do you play dumb? (laughs) Okay, this is an amazing question. I generally don't do a lot of Googling before first dates. I never really did because of this exact... In fact, I, I didn't. I would not look up people at all all even a little bit I just go in fully blind because of this exact scenario but I understand that a lot of people do like to do some research before a first date largely for safety reasons and I think that's totally acceptable and it's totally fine honestly honestly I would cop to it I think it's fine. And I think like I think everyone understands that there is like safety issues at play and you want to do a little bit, bit of research. You know, Ozzy and I just sold um, my Peloton and we looked up the guy before he came to look at the Peloton and then brought it up when he was here. Ozzy was like, oh, I saw that, you know, your LinkedIn, it said you're a CEO of like blah, blah, blah company. Like, what is that? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's so funny. Like, of course, we all Google each other before a meeting because you want to avoid the crazies, right? Like people understand that. I think anyone who doesn't understand that it like is delusional or like maybe chaotic or like that could be a red flag in and of itself. Now, if you've gone gone down an insane rabbit hole of sleuthing and like, you know, his mother's maiden name and like where she went to elementary school and you know that he's allergic to peanuts and that his ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, had an IUD from ages 18 to 24, that's fucking weird and you should keep that to yourself. But I think there would be a bigger like situation at play. Why are you doing that level of sleuthing to begin with? Like, that's insane. Don't you want to just get to know someone naturally? Like, again, I understand doing a little bit to just verify that they're a real person and that you're not in danger and things like that. But anything beyond that level, I wouldn't do. And if you feel inclined to do that, I would look internal and ask yourself why it is that you feel the need to research someone this much. Because it's taking away the fun of getting to know them in a natural way. And if you're not looking forward to getting to know someone in a natural way, my guess is that there is some kind of attachment thing at play and you feel the need to like have a tremendous amount of control over the situation. So yeah, if you're doing that level of stalking, I would address whatever attachment wounds are causing you to do that level of stalking. And like in the meantime, don't bring it up because it's going to make you look crazy. But um, but if you're doing like a light amount of sleuthing, like let's say like you looked at his LinkedIn, right? Like this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I work at blah, blah, blah company. You could be like, oh, yeah, NGL, like I did look up your LinkedIn just to like, you know, make sure you're a real person and not lying and stuff. So I did see that. But like it's not like you wouldn't want to sprinkle in information in a way that it start to feel like a job interview, you know, like, well, I saw on the Internet that <laughs> in 2018 you want to 
spelling bee. Can you tell me about that? You know, but again, I don't think you should be doing that much sleuthing to begin with. Now, let's say like you do research him a tiny bit and saw that he did win a spelling bee. I mean, I guess you could bring it up. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think it's fine to cop to. And I, I think it's like relatable and cute and vulnerable and makes you seem like a very honest and non-crazy person if you just own up to it. That's my two cents. But again, I just wouldn't go overboard with the sleuthing to begin with. <sighs> okay, that is all the questions that we're going to do today. We're going to cover more next time. If you have questions, submit them. Um, I will answer them and I'll do my best. And I think um, I'm going to have more energy and excitement and enthusiasm next time. I really am just... Um, really, really tired this week. And yeah, it's, 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 it's been a lot back to back for me and my body is just, whew, you know, you know how it is. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please leave a review. If you did not enjoy this episode, please still leave a review because I think I, I show up with more energy most other weeks. So let's give credit where credit's due. And don't forget, this is the last week of June. So the June giveaway is coming to a close. Um, you still can enter until the end of the month. All you need to do to enter is just leave a review on iTunes and um, either screenshot the review and email it to theblushpod at gmail.com. Or you can leave your Instagram handle in the review. And at the end of the month, I will randomly select one of the people who've left a review and you will get a free six month membership to the Blush Academy where you get bonus content every week. And there are also amazing courses on attachment styles, breakups, fight picking, um, just healthy relationships, balancing your life, all these things. And there's more stuff coming soon. So if you're a Blush Academy member, don't forget to check that out. Also, if you're a Blush Academy member, do you know that there is weekly content, weekly videos within the Q&A service folder. So definitely check that out. And yeah, um, love you guys. We will talk next week. Bye.